You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me, if you would, to... Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. We welcome all of our guests to the house of the Lord tonight. We're glad you're with us at God's house. Everybody that's in person, everyone that's watching online or listening tonight, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Amen. Doesn't it feel good to be able to come in freedom, liberty, and worship God? Amen. I thank the Lord for that opportunity. Amen. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. For if by one man's offense... Death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. So, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about being dead or alive. Dead or alive. And uh, what was pretty uh, amazing this morning that God had laid into our heart um, to to minister about baptism. And uh, we had a baptism this morning. Someone that's been in church for a number of years and felt the need this morning to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And it wasn't planned. It was on the spot, spontaneous. And uh, we thank the Lord for his wonderful power. Amen. In May, um, in May 1915, a man by the name of Bill Drost was born at a farm on the rolling hills of New Brunswick. Uh, his life would be characterized by astounding miracles as he fulfilled God's prophetic call as a missionary in South America. When Bill was 10 years old, the oldest, his oldest sisters attended a revival meeting where a, a lady by the name of Maddie Crawford preached. And many responded to her preaching by repenting of their sins Bill's parents were troubled by that. Uh, His mother did not want his children, her children, to be, what she said, led away with the error of the devil. That was her comment. Five years later, another spiritual stirring came into the area, and there was a group holding Bible meetings who spoke about the Holy Ghost, an old a friend of Bill's named Bless. His name was Bless. He joined the people, and Bless was a champion boxer, and he was tall and powerful, and he had gone to the altar and had become a changed man. And Bill's mother was furious to learn that her son had anything to do with Bless. Don't have anything to do with Bless, she said. Bill could not resist Visiting a Bible meeting, he discovered while riding his bicycle one night, he marveled at their testimonies. He heard the songs that were 
that, that, that people sang in the spontaneous worship. And when he told his mother he had been to the meeting, she was stunned and said, if you ever go back there, it will be over my dead body. I now forbid you, she said, to go. And I never want to hear you mention those holy rollers again. You know they're of the devil, she said. They have deceived you. And perplexed, Bill knelt by his bed that night, and with tears he prayed, Oh God, show me what to do. If these people are wrong, they should be told. But Lord, whatever scripture you give me, it will help me. And he dropped his finger on his open Bible, and it fell on a verse he had never heard before. And it said, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And stunned, Bill said, Oh God, that's just what those people were doing when he was at the meeting. So as he slept, Bill had a, a, a dream, a very vivid dream. He saw Jesus coming from glory in a sky ablaze with beautiful light. He saw the faces of people. He recognized them. They were the people he had seen at the Bible meeting. And they were rising to meet Jesus in the air. Their faces were filled with such great joy. Oh God, he said, take me. Bill cried out, awaking and jumping from his bed. He was on his way to discovering what God had done to make it possible for him to experience eternal life. That's just a small excerpt from the book called Bill Dross, The Pentecost. There was a there was a moment in time that something happened, and I'll give you a little more information at the end. But this man had been affected by the power of an almighty God. And you go back to the beginning. You go back to human beings being created as living souls. The creation accounts uh, in the very first two chapters of Genesis, it focuses on the creation of people from different perspectives. The first is found in Genesis chapter 1 where it reveals both male and female and they were created in the image of God. Both share equal blessings and responsibilities. The second account is in Genesis chapter 2 where it emphasizes the material and immaterial aspects of human existence. Physically, humans are made from the earth and and that their immaterial component uh, uh, springs from a breath of life that only God gave them. The Bible makes it clear. He breathed into them and they became living souls. Those two accounts uh, offer no hint of sinfulness. Instead, they, they, they offer or portray a hope or a positive way that you and I can have relationship with God. Though made of the earth, that itself created by God, humans are more intimately related to their creator than any other created thing that God ever made. And with that in mind, the Lord gave this, this command. The Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, 
thou may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Both Adam and Eve exercised their freedom of choice to disregard that warning that was given and both suffered the consequence of death. No, neither one of them experienced a physical death and some people even think uh, that God may have changed his mind uh, on, on the consequence because Adam lived to be 930 years old. However, that's not the case. God's warning was not physical. His warning was spiritual. And the Bible references uh, the death that is that it's always a kind of separation from God. The death of a human is not about cessation or existence. Uh, every person born will exist forever. Every person. When a person dies, the person's material and immaterial components are separated. But that does not mean that every person will not live for eternity somewhere. James illustrated that very point when he wrote in James 2 and 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. See, Adam, he did not become a living soul until God breathed into him. The human body is lifeless without the spirit. But when God breathed into him and he became a living soul, he was going to live for eternity somewhere. Every one of us are in the same, same situation tonight. I'm speaking to you about being dead or alive. Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden. And Paul, he wrote of this idea in a variety of places in Romans 5. He said, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Death, he said, reigned from Adam to Moses. For by one man's offense, many died. By the one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Sin reigned to death. Paul speaks about it. Listen, everything that happened because of Adam and Eve's decision has caused a separation from God. The death to which these verses tell us is not a physical death, but rather it's a separation from God concerning a spiritual death. You have to understand without any hesitation tonight that when you pass from this world, it does not mean it's over. Just because you and I may die does not mean it's the end. What's absolutely important, that is we are not separated from him in spiritual death. Physical death will only be for a period of time, and you and I will be resurrected. That's Bible. So what's absolutely crucial tonight is that we do not suffer a spiritual death. The Garden of Eden contained... Many trees, but only two had 
special significance. The tree of life was there to provide an opportunity for Adam and Eve to live forever. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil gave them an opportunity to exercise their freedom of choice. This option was necessary for them to have a meaningful relationship with God. Some will say, some will even make the comment, why would God put a tree there for them not to eat of? It's no different than tonight. You made a choice to come to the house of God, hopefully because you wanted to. Hopefully. At least that you knew it was the best and the right decision. Everything about our relationship with God, for it to be meaningful, has to have choice. I choose to pray. I choose to study His Word. I choose to worship. I choose to be in the altar. I choose to be faithful. I choose to give Him my life. I choose to consecrate. I choose to dedicate. I choose to repent. I choose to be baptized. I choose to be filled with the Spirit. I choose to separate my life unto Him because uh, there is absolutely a crucial point that I cannot be separated from Him by spiritual death. Uh. The connection between sin and death. That's seen in Romans chapter 6. For the wages, Paul said, of sin is death. This is not a reference to physical death. It's not a reference to physical death. Which everyone, if the Lord tarries, will experience. The death in view of what Paul is saying is a separation from fellowship with God. That was experienced by Adam and Eve. And Paul said, listen, the wages of sin is death. And it's absolutely important that you and I are not separated in our fellowship and relationship with God. Paul said in Romans 5, he explained it carefully. He, uh, he said, wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The consequence of sin upon humanity is a universal death. It's not a reference to a physical death, but rather a separation from the fellowship with God. And it's a universal. There's no one that's excluded for that. No one is exempt from it. Everybody has to get back into relationship with God. If you do not feel like you're where you want to be tonight, tonight's the night. You don't have to wait another service. You don't have to wait another day. Hallelujah. God doesn't want you to be separated in relationship and fellowship with Him. Yeah. See, scripturally, death is not extinction, but rather separation. We have to make sure we get out of our minds that if I die, it's over. No, my chance of fixing things is over. But it's not over. Some people will like to debate about when the Lord's coming. And my thoughts around that is, don't let it be a debate. Just be ready. 
There's only two things that can happen. He's either going to come while you're alive or he's going to come after you're dead. It's not whether he's coming or not. He's coming. So all that matters is, is that you're ready. I'm not, I'm not interested in debating when he's coming. All that matters to me is that I'm ready. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I could die tonight. Something tragically could happen in my life before you ever see me again. What matters is that I'm ready. That my fellowship with God is intact. That my separation from God is restored. That my relationship with Him is afresh. I want to make sure whether I'm dead or alive. That my relationship with Him is right. I'm not, I'm not interested. Oh, it makes for a good conversation. We can talk about all the things that are happening. You can study Revelation. You can study Daniel. You can... Put it together with Matthew 24. You can try to figure it all out. You can try to do all that. And that's wonderful for study. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that, is that you are ready. You and I have no guarantee of tomorrow. Absolutely important that we're ready. And no one is excluded from that. Paul wrote in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, that's the past tense. And fall short, that's the present tense of the glory of God. We're all in need of Him, whether it's from the past or right now. It makes no difference when it is. We're in need of Him it is important to note that not only has every person sinned in the past, but all continually fall short of God's glorious revelation. And that's why the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin as we walk in the light with our faith in Jesus Christ. That's a process that continually happens. I don't live in fear of the Lord coming or making a mistake and he's going to come right at that moment. No, I don't live in fear of that. I got a relationship with him that I want to give him everything inside of me, dead or alive. My relationship with him is intact. Yeah. Hmm. Everyone okay? That's good. See, even before the Lord's birth, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel in, informed him that the name that was to be given to Mary's son and also the reason for that name, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Literally, the name Jesus means Yahweh Savior or Jehovah Savior. He is Savior or he shall save. 
This has been the purpose of God since the beginning of time. Physical death was the result of the consequence of sin, but that was not the biggest consequence. The biggest consequence was an interruption into the relationship that you and I have with God. And Jesus came to offer himself a sacrifice for our sins. Paul writes about it, 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. There's a big difference. The last Adam is Jesus. So the first Adam was made a living soul. He's going to live for eternity somewhere. Just as you and I. But what Paul writes is so powerful. That not only was Jesus a living soul. But he uses this phrase. He is a quickening spirit. Oh, you know what that is? Every one of us. Every one of us because of the second Adam, which was so much greater than the first Adam. He wasn't just a living soul. There was something that Jesus brought that you and I don't have to remain the same. Something inside of us is quickened. Something inside of us is brought back to life. Something inside of us is restored. Something inside of us is renewed. Something inside of us is reunited. Hallelujah. Whether you're dead or alive, something can be renewed, restored, quickened. He quickened something in you. And when he quickened something in you, there was a reconnection that happened. And that reconnection is not just some little insignificant event. No, it changes the dynamics whether you are dead or alive. Mmm. Now, this is what he continues to write in 1 Corinthians 15. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Did you hear what I said? It's sown in corruption. But it's going to be raised in incorruption. For all have sinned and come short. Every one of us have been a failure. But when you're resurrected and something has been quickened in you, it's no longer going to be controlled by corruption. It's going to be incorruption. No longer is it going to be mortal or mortality. You're going to take on immortality. Something that was quickened inside of you Folks, is a way beyond this world. It's a way beyond uh, this period of time that we're here on this earth. Mm. Well, I'll read a little more. It is sown in 
dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Can you see the difference tonight? It's the opposite. It doesn't compare. Nothing about it is the same. When you've been quickened by the power of Jesus, your life is the exact opposite of what it used to be. Howbeit, there was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. It all started that I was corrupted. I was natural. There was nothing glorious about me. But whether you like it or not, I'm so glad it doesn't depend on anyone else. And whether I like it or not, it doesn't matter about you. When God quickened you, it has no bearing from anyone else. No one can stop you from being dishonored. No one can stop you from being immortal. No one can stop you from having incorruption. No, no. He did the quickening. He did the changing. He had the significance uh, that changed your life forever, whether you're dead or alive. Uh, Nobody can change it. Doesn't make any sense to light a candle after I'm gone. Too late. That ain't going to change anything. If you want to keep the lights on, that's fine. But it isn't quickening me. I've already been quickened. I'll stay to my notes. There's a contrast between the wages of sin and the gift of that quickening. The wages brought death, spiritual death. But the gift of God, that's what he said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the quickening brings eternal life. Oh, folks, that's not, you know, we'll survive to next week. No, 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 that's not until you're old and gray. No, 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 that's not, no, this, that's for eternity. We can't even comprehend how long eternity is. It's got no end. There is no timeline. There will be no more time. There will be no more day. If you've been quickened, whether you're dead or alive, right now, it won't matter as long as the connection has been reconnected and fellowship has been renewed and you have been restored you will not you will not be separated again from his presence listen we must we must uh, not refrain from preaching about heaven 
It's everything I'm living for. Everything that I'm attaining is not in this world. My inheritance is out of this world. Okay, music come. So I'll stop. Genuine belief results in obedience. And obedience is not a work. It's a response of faith. And when you and I respond to him in faith and say, God, I want to make sure that my life has been quickened, restored, revived. Do you know what happens when you start thinking that way? All the little stuff in life means nothing. It's so insignificant. All the things that people try to highlight about your life and about church and about the Bible and about all those things become insignificant. All that matters is that your life has been quickened by His Spirit and that you will live with Him for eternity. That's it. What you attain in life, I'm glad that you're making every effort you can. What you have on this earth, I thank God for His blessing. But none of those things will live forever. The only thing that will live forever is you. And you want to make sure it's with Him. Huh. After his dream of the people that Bill Dross had seen at the Bible meeting, and they were rising to meet Jesus, Bill Dross ran downstairs to tell his mother. Can you imagine? He went to tell his mother. Mom, I want to talk to you. Do you believe Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds from heaven? That was his question. My dear son, she replied, the coming of the Lord is only when death comes and he takes us. That is what his coming is. When he told her about his dream, Bill's mother said with tears, poor Willie, you've been deceived. That's just the devil. Try to forget about it. She warned him again not to talk to those holy roller people. But next Sunday, Bill rode his bicycle 17 miles to get to church. I doubt if he had a 10-speed. He rode his bicycle 17 miles to get to church. And when the preacher concluded his message, Bill knew that he needed to come to Jesus. And he went to that altar and prayed, Lord, if you save me, I don't care what happens. I'll be ready for your coming. coming, And whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. As he stood in that altar, a lady placed her hand on Bill's head, praying, Lord, help this boy to believe what you have done for him at Calvary. And at that moment, something gripped him in an inner realization of the things that the woman had said. His faith reached out and took a hold of those words, pulling them into his experience, clinging to them, savoring to the reality of them. And he felt a lightning, a freedom, a liberation from heaviness, confusion, and conviction had been 
pressing upon him. New Year's Eve, Bill prayed. He heard a voice saying, go to the meeting tonight. And he shared his intention again with his mother. You would think he would have stopped talking to her about that. Over my dead body, she said. Nevertheless, Bill walked through the snow to the service. And the preacher's text was Luke chapter 24. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye a little in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And the preacher said, whoever wants uh, to experience that promise. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, Bill went forward uh, and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a language that he had never known. It was 4 a.m., 4 a.m. before Bill realized how much time had passed. He was caught up in the spirit. And when he returned home, his mother was waiting. Where have you been till this hour of the morning? And beginning to sense the spirit welling up inside of him, he answered, Mom, I was at the meeting. And what went on there brought, brought a, a boy of yours this age brought me home with something powerful like he had never experienced before. Bill's response to his mother was, his, was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. What was so wonderful, she asked. And as Bill lifted his hands towards heaven he began to speak uh, with another tongue uh, as his mother stood in front of him and he opened his 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 mouth and prayed unto the Lord uh, and his mother was absolutely bewildered let me tell you it's just a little more excerpt from Bill Dross the Pentecost uh, but something happened to him he became one of the greatest missionaries that we have ever known Bill Dross to Pentecost, his son, multiple sons, but one of them was Windross. And Windross is the father of Stephen Dross, who is married to brother and sister Hanscom's daughter. It all happened at multiple events that Bill Dross could not get away from quickening took place if you ever want to read a powerful book of experiences you might just want to find that book and read it that'll mess you up the incredible power of God that came and worked through a man that fought through everything that fought against him to say I'm going to be reconnected spiritually because because of one individual hundreds of thousands of people have given their heart to the Lord in South America because of one boy out of New Brunswick that said I'm going to accept that quickening Only eternity will ever tell how many people had their lives 
reunited because one person made a decision. Something about that presence of God that I can't get away from. How's she doing? nods there something about the presence of God that happened to that man that he couldn't get away from and I'm feeling just a little bit the same way tonight how about the congregation that's at Mission Point the ones that are watching and listening online is there something stirring in your spirit in 2022 when we have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring but we know who holds tomorrow we have no idea what's going to take place a week from now or a month from now but we know who's in control he quickened you he quickened me dead or alive it doesn't matter I'm being reunited with him I'm going to spend eternity with him I'm going to reign and live with him for the rest of my days thank you for joining us today if you want more information connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca God bless you